Welcome to Curiouser, the podcast where we talk to Iowa's most interesting people. I'm your host, John Gilbertson, and today we are talking with Katie Byers, founder and CEO? Correct. Of Home Diddy, a Des Moines-based online platform that facilitates something we would all like to get back to, house parties, or more particularly house concerts. So, Katie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So I looked up Home Diddy online and I got as well-versed as I could in it, but I would love to kind of hear your take on what it is and how you came to start it. Absolutely. It's actually my favorite topic of conversation. Fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> this worked. So uh, I really created Home Diddy. It just grew out of my love of hosting house concerts personally. My hus- husband and I started hosting house concerts in our home probably around 2014. And after I hosted my first show, I was just absolutely hooked and I couldn't yeah. wait to do it again. And so I... Who was it? Who did you have? It was actually a trio of three solo artists who did it sort of in the round. Oh, cool. Like yeah. a songwriter circle? Exactly. Kind of thing? Exactly. Cool. Ira Wolf, um, okay. Wes Kirkpatrick, and... Oh, Howard. Um, I'm blanking on his first, on his first name. But anyway, <laughs> three, right. three great musicians who were all... Um, two of them were in the Nashville area. One had been in the Chicago area. Um, but yeah, just great, great. So I, it was just such cool. a cool experience. And so at that point, my, I was said to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to do this every month to benefit either a local musician or a touring, a national musician who, you know, is coming through Des Moines looking for an extra gig. Sure. We're going to do this every month because it's so cool and so fun. And so we yeah. did. And after doing that for several years, I just realized what a huge need there was out there for more people to be hosting house concerts. Sure. So that's kind of why I created Home Diddy. And so I kind of got into the the tech side of things because I wanted to create an easy way to not only connect musicians with potential hosts, but to a way to teach people how to host because a lot of people don't really know what a true house concert is. They don't really know good hosting etiquette and, and really, you know, how do you sure. go about it? So that's how I kind of got into the tech side of thing and, and uh, developed an app. So are you a programmer? Did you write this code? I am not. I do know some programming. I have soft, taught myself a little bit. Um, cool. We, uh, I hired uh, local software developers. Um, shout out to Entrepreneurial Technologies and Erin right uh, Rollenhagen. Cool. She and her team are just amazing, and they've been um, just great partners on, on this journey. And so I outsource my software development, and um, they've just been wonderful to work with. Cool. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. What? Uh, so I have some friends who are software developers, and I've 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 heard that like creating the software is like the like uh, I don't know a drop in the bucket, and then you have to basically spend the next I don't know every month maintaining it or something. But. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're kind of making me laugh um, <laughs> <laughs> because you know I'll be honest, uh, as a first time entrepreneur and as a first time developing software. That's something you don't really think about uh-huh. when you're building it. You're just so excited about yeah. building it. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that has been uh, kind of surprising to me yeah. that 
it's just never, you never feel like it's done um, because it's technology. Yeah. I mean, things are always changing and there's always features you want to add. And so sure. um, while I love, love my software partners, it, it is a disadvantage for me not to have a technical co-founder or have in-house tech capabilities. Sure. I get that. Mm-hmm. Having people in your home, I was kind of curious about sort of like the, are you kind of like an Uber where you're sort of facilitating connections between drivers and passengers? Like, you know, how does, I'm kind of curious just sort of how. Yeah, great question. So Home JD was built to be a DIY software. So this is the host show. Um, it is okay. not Home Diddy hosting this show. It is, you know, Home Diddy is the platform that allows the parties to connect okay. and then has the planning tools for the host to plan their event. Everything from a booking tool to book the musician to credit card processing to payment to collecting contributions from their invited guests to um, sort of like an evite function to invite your guests. Sure. So, yeah, so it's not um, it's not Home Diddy, um, the entity that is throwing the concert, so to speak. Sure. Um, these are yeah. individuals that are using the platform like evite um, okay. or other platform to to plan their event. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you. So, so, many, so uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So you can be um, anywhere in the United States and use Home Diddy. Cool. Mm-hmm. How many hosts? Like, so, yeah, do, like, do you sign up to be a host and then? Yeah. So right now, so we have both host sign up and musician sign up. Musician sign up is invite only. So we actually have an application process for the musicians. Oh, cool. And okay. I have quite a lengthy waiting list because there's a huge demand for hosts and there are a lot of musicians out there looking for hosts. Yeah, sure. So that's been a really hard thing is finding that right balance between the number of hosts and the number of musicians that you have on the platform because I don't want it to be just completely lopsided. Yeah. You know, and have thousands of musicians and then, you know, five hundred hosts who just are constantly getting pinged, you know, from musicians nonstop. So that would be annoying. So it it's a very delicate balance that I'm always trying to walk between the number of hosts and the number of musicians. But hosts are welcome to sign up anytime. They can just go sign up. Um, you just yeah. have to live in the United States. Um, I've had a number of hosts sign up from other countries that I've had to just politely contact them and say, "I'm sorry, I'm not. You know, I'm not. It's not available in your country yet, and, sure. and have to deactivate their account." But yeah, so you can be a host anywhere in the United States. Any plans to expand into Canada or Mexico? Sure, <laughs> at some point, at some point. But you know, I it's, I'm trying really hard to to to, to stay focused and really um, saturate this market first. Sure, and so like regionally, Iowa and the Midwest is that kind of your target area right now? Yeah, definitely. You know, so when I launched, my plan was to to really just grow it in Des Moines and to just kind of go from Des Moines outward. Sure. That's not kind of how it went, um, sort of fortunately and unfortunately. Yeah. I, I sort of ended up with a shotgun approach with a, a spattering of hosts across the country, mainly yeah. because when I did my beta testing, I reached out to a lot of people that I knew from either you know law school or college or high school or whatever. Reach, hey, yeah. would you be would you be willing to host a house concert? Try out my new software type yeah. thing. Yeah. And sure. so I ended up getting these strange pockets of 
of hosts <laughs> across the country, so unintentionally. Yeah. Um, but it, but it was great because for you know a lot of my musicians on the site, some of them tour full time, like all they yeah. do are house concerts, listening rooms, and small theaters, like. That's what they do, and yeah. so they're they're looking for hosts like to fill a lot of nights yeah. and in a lot of geographic locations. Sure, um, but my, definitely my highest concentration of hosts is is in Iowa in the Midwest. Well, it's it's not a bad location nationally because, I mean, I am an ex musician. I was once in a band a long time ago, and I eighty and I thirty five connect a lot of the big areas, but nobody ever stops in Des Moines, at least, you know, not in a, in very large numbers. And I know many, many musicians who, if they knew about this kind of thing, Iowa would be a great place to do it because they wouldn't have a show between like Omaha and Chicago or something. You're so right. You are so right. I mean, it's just the perfect stopping point between Chicago, Market, Minneapolis, uh, Kansas City, Omaha. I mean, we're just in just like a perfect little sweet spot for, for sure. And yeah. there's a huge demand. There's a huge demand on the musician side. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the hard part is, is is growing that host base and grooming hosts. And, yeah. um, you know, so far, I'm, I'm so proud of the work that we've done here in Des Moines. I mean, there have been hundreds of house concerts hosted just in Des Moines. That's awesome. Through Home Diddy. I know, which is so cool. It's so cool. I love it. So do, man, I have so many questions. I'm going to try to keep <laughs> these all straight. So when people have house concerts, do they host the musicians like for the night? Like, do they stay there? That's entirely optional. It's entirely okay. up to the host. You know, every host has their own comfort level with that. Sure. Um, Typically, first-time hosts, probably not, because, yeah. you know, this for, for many people, this is really something very different outside their comfort zone. Absolutely. Um, but when you think about it, we have uh, people come into our homes all the, times who are, all the time who are, quote-unquote, strangers to do, you know, plumbers and electricians and, I mean, yeah, musicians. Sure. They're professional working musicians. I mean, they're providing yeah. a service. So yeah. um, it is something that, that can be a little bit of a stretch to people. So it um, it's certainly, and, and not every host has space as well. Um, yeah. So really that's just, those details are worked out between the host and the musician. Um, yeah. But I personally, we do host the musicians overnight in our home. And that's actually one of our favorite parts about sure, it is, yeah. is just getting the hang time with them after the show for sure just to get to know them a little bit better or the next morning and yeah we've just created some lifelong friends certainly by hosting yeah well yeah I, I, the reason I was I was bringing that up is because my parents live kind of right where uh 1835 cross and so I've had a number of friends who have come through and I've just been like hey just go stay at my parents house like you know they're they're cool. They like hanging out and, you know, they get to go and stay in a house and sleep in a bed and like do laundry. I know. Um, and there's, there's kind of a, I don't know, there's kind of a, I'm trying to think, what's the word? It's an um, oasis. I had a musician exactly. tell me, like, exactly. you know what, a really good house concert host and a house concert, it's an oasis for us musicians. hundred percent. Yeah. It's a place we can go and get a, get a shower and a soft bed and a probably a home cooked meal and it just gives them yeah. that oomph to kind of carry on yep. and keep going. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, 
I was going to ask you too, because you you went to law school, you were a practicing attorney Correct. for a number of years. Um, so as with my background, I, I do a lot of copyright trademark work and um, I've done a lot with copyright licensing and I've had to deal with the the performance. performing rights organizations. Yes. I was waiting for this to come up. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, having house concerts, it's it's sufficiently private, so you don't have to worry about that. Is that right? Correct. It's there is a very clear exemption for music licensing um, that you would normally need for a public performance of live music. Yeah. Sure. House concerts are clearly an exception, but hosts still have to be careful. You get for my hosts, I'm I'm very strict, and it. it, it it really comes from my my law back, my background in law, and sure. I'm sure there are some hosts out there who think I'm just the most uptight person in the universe because I, I take these things seriously because I know if if something goes wrong uh, and they're really having more of a public type show, I mean it's it's not a fun yeah. situation, and they're going to come back to Home Diddy and say, "Why didn't you tell us?" So yeah, I'm pretty sure. strict about those rules. You know, this is invite only. Um, home Diddy does not find the guests for these shows. This is the host inviting their friends to come to their home for a yeah. private event. Sure. The host, I mean, I go so far as saying I don't even want hosts putting it on social media. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. The, some do. I'm fine with that, but please don't post your address. Don't post your home address. Yeah, I mean, 100%. So, <laughs> you know, it is it is a tricky thing. Um, and... People just don't realize that um, live music that you require, you need a license for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, 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 so I lived in LA for a number of years and I, I had a few friends who opened bars and they tried to have live music. And I mean, like a weekend, they'd have the PROs knocking on their door and all of a sudden, oh, hey, now we have to pay $5,000 a year in. Or maybe more. Right, right. Licensing, and yeah, they'll they'll find you. And for it, sure. it's it's surprising, you know, it's surprising to me how many people in Des Moines don't realize that. And yeah. um, I mean, c- certainly you can quote unquote get away with it, like if you don't know. And oh, I, I didn't even know I did this, but um, yeah. a you should know, like you would never open a bar without a liquor license. Sure. Um, so it's just <laughs> yeah. another. It's the cost of doing business. Um, songwriters need to get paid too. So. I wonder if that's different now. This is a total aside, but you know, growing up with Napster and and streaming, I mean, there's it's so much easier to get music, and it's so much easier to steal it. You know, or at least yeah. it was kind of starting in the late '90s. And I kind of want. I mean, I wonder if it was different before. You know, I wonder if people were more aware of it. I don't know. Then. I don't know. Yeah. Not really sure. Well, another another topic know, for right? another, another you could time. You have a whole another show on that. Yeah. Um, so I guess we have to talk about COVID and how that's affected stuff. Because having strangers in your home is, right now, it's about the Again, worst thing you no can no strangers. Do. These are their friends. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> are, but I guess you're the musicians. I see what you're saying. Yes, yeah. I guess there is that. Um, well, yeah, it is. it has been a royal bummer <laughs> for yeah. certain for yeah. my business. You know, we had so much momentum going into COVID and things were just so exciting and and just at an all-time high. And just to see six, eight, nine months worth of shows just cancel, 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 cancel. You know, it was was tough, you know, but it was harder on the musicians for for certain, you know. Yeah, for Um, sure. So 
I really just tried to, you know, the reason I started Home Diddy was was to help the musicians. And so if I just keep those blinders on and think about, okay, so what can I do now to help them? Um, yeah. So I did a number of uh, virtual online shows through oh, cool. private Facebook events. We still ran like payment for the musicians through the Home Diddy platform and, okay. and then had people join a private Facebook group once they've paid the musician and did these cool. private shows, which is great. And I, I donated my app fee to the musicians for those shows because, you know, it's such a tough, tough time for them. Sure. And yeah. my, the way I run Home Diddy or chose, decided to run Home Diddy was using the lean startup model. So yeah. I completely self-funded Home Diddy. Um, my, cool. at this point, my overhead costs are next to nothing. I, I work for, out of my home. Yeah. I have no employees. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, sure. you know, my big investment was the software up front and yeah. then any software improvements, um, that I make <laughs> after that. So, yeah. so yeah, I just really tried to shift into, okay, what can I do to help my musicians? Cause, um, that's what I'm most worried about. And then I had a number of hosts who also did, hosted some online house concerts. And, you know, it's not really any different than what the online shows that musicians are currently doing. I guess the big difference is the host as the host is getting their friends to um, participate and join. Sure. Uh, whereas yeah. this otherwise, this musician who's not known to, let's say, many people in the area might just get lost, you know, they might not participate. Sure. That's cool. It's kind of a way to focus some attention on people who might not otherwise get it. And it's almost just like a word of mouth kind of a thing. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, and it's your friends saying, hey, um, I know you've never, maybe not heard of this musician, but check out this video. I think you would love them. They're super original or they sound like, you know, I don't know, X. Yeah, um, sure. So yeah, it's just a, a kind of a grassroots way to to get people listening to some new music and some new musicians. Right on. Well, and, you know, with the internet and just the barrage of advertisements and, and crap you get all the time, having a good recommendation from a friend and, and being able to sort of bundle a bunch of them into, you know, into one show or one concert, that's a cool thing. It is cool. And it feels like very very special and very kind of VIP and, you know, because it's yeah. just a very intimate experience, whether it's just you and your friends for an online show or you and your friends in a living room. It's just, um, it feels very exclusive somehow, you yeah, know, like sure. you're in the know. And sure. and uh, it's really fun to see these musicians get, you know, because I, I work with musicians, sort of all different levels, but but some of them in the early days that have really just risen in their careers and are getting some really incredible accolades. Now, you know, right, it's right up in Rolling Stone magazine and yeah. stuff like that. It's like, oh my yeah. gosh, they played in my living room five <laughs> years ago. Yeah. And so that's really cool. The, the kind of the thrill of discovery is really fun to me. Yeah. It gives you some good bragging rights down the road too. Right. Oh, I've got a good cred. one. So I don't, I, I'll admit, I don't actually watch the show, but I was working on something and the TV was on in the background and the show came on and I was just plain engrossed in my work and too darn lazy to get up and change the channel because uh -huh. the remote was across the room or something. I'm, I'm thrilled to know what the show is that you're embarrassed to say <laughs> well, you're watching. Well, it's not that I'm embarrassed. That's going to sound <laughs> awful. It's, it's, it's a lovely show. It's just not something I typically would watch. So Bri it was, Say Bridgerton, please. No, it oh, was no. The Voice. Oh, that's not so bad. No, no, I don't think it's 
bad. I'm just saying it's just not, I, okay. That's just, yeah. I built it up way too much. But anyway, <laughs> so I, it was just on in the background and it was, you know, it was great because it was music. And when I was working on something, I was actually working on an art piece and oh, cool. um, yeah. And then all of a sudden my ears kind of perked up and I heard them say something, something, you know, Ian Flanagan. And I'm like, Ian Flanagan. And I look up and there on The Voice is one of my home ditty artists. Whoa. He ended up placing third this year. That's insane. I know. Crazy. That's awesome. Crazy. So I know. Nice. I was just I was just sitting there. I'm like, what? And so I reached out. I emailed uh, his agent because my connection with Ian is through his agent. It was this agent that came to the platform. And so okay. I, sometimes I work directly with the musician if they're completely independent and they don't have an agent. Sure. Um, sometimes I work with their agent. And sometimes if they have an agent... Um, they still, the musician will still work with me directly. You know, it's whatever. Every, yeah. you know, every situation is kind of unique. And so I reached out to the agent and, um, and it happened to be like the night before the finale that I caught this on okay. TV. So I was like, cool. oh my gosh, I just saw Ian <laughs> on The Voice and awesome. he's a finalist. And yeah. So it was pretty exciting. And then he got third. So I was oh, like, that's man. awesome. Well, that's a good way to kind of, you know, become a tastemaker right? around here. Right, right, right. Are you, have you done other sorts of like concert promotion or any sort of management? Yeah, so a couple things. One, I started a, kind of a side company, related company called Little Diddy Productions. Okay, cool. Kind of specializing in uh, small, intimate concerts, public concerts, so with 100 people or less. Okay. Like I will not sell 101. Like it's 100 or less. Like Why, like, why that number? To me, it is the magic number. Like once you get your crowd over a certain size, something is lost. Yeah, that's true. Something is that's lost. That's totally true. And so I very purposely, purposely, you know, just kind of make it like a house concert experience. And so I partnered with um, Des, Mo Des Moines Performing Arts. Um, cool. We did two shows. This was right pre-COVID, right before COVID. We had just done two shows in their Stoner Theater in that small theater. Oh, yeah. But um, we took away some of the, you know, we like squeezed down kind of the room and just sure. they had it set up just beautifully. Um, and then I partnered with the Salisbury House. and Oh, right on. Yeah. That's I, cool. Yeah. I did a series of, gosh, I can't remember, three or four concerts there. Again, this was all last year. And we had cool. uh, signed uh, an agreement to do another series in 2020, which obviously didn't happen. So, sure. so yeah, so, I, so I've, I've done that. But it's always been partnered with, like, DMPA obviously has a music license. Salisbury House already had a music license because sure. they had, um, they, they have some, like, classical music series there. Okay. So it was really kind of new for them to bring in some different kind of uh, music and musicians, which was fun. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, I, that's that's so insightful that you know about the 100 people limit thing, because I, <laughs> you know, as, you know, in my prior career as a musician, the the most fun shows I ever played, and I played, I played the small clubs, but I also got to play some, you know, big yeah. places like the Greek Theater and Fillmore and stuff. And the best shows were tiny venues that were packed. Yep. Every t like it didn't matter. I mean, yep. it was it wasn't even close. You know, because mm -hmm. like it like I was, I was because the there's just that connection. I mean, and when yeah. you get just yeah. more than a certain number of people, it's just lost. I mean, it's just lost. Yeah. But when you can get a hundred people just all just breathing, feeling everything with the musician, and my concerts are 
always listening concerts. Like, yeah. I insist upon it. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, you shut down any of that. I am. I'm like, look, I'm all down to party and have a great time pre-show, after-show, intermission. But when that musician is sitting there singing their heart out, playing an original song, you're all are gonna shut your mouth <laughs> and you're gonna listen. Yeah. I mean, you can hoot and yeah. holler and you know whistle or you know, of sure, course, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but don't be just chatting about what you had for dinner last night and you're like yeah. sitting an arm's length away from these musicians like well yeah because at that point they're just playing background music right it's not right. a yeah it's not a house concert yeah yeah totally. so no, that's I, been weird I for people that. it's been very weird but people have been very um again they think it's weird but then once they experience it they're like oh my gosh this is so amazing because the musicians also have a lot to say between songs Sure. A lot to say that yeah. you wouldn't normally get at um, another show. It would just kind of be lost. And so the, for me, the for storytelling sure. aspect and learning about the musician, their life, their band, that's yeah. just as great as the music. It's like it's like MTV Unplugged or something. Totally. Which was awesome. Right. I miss that a lot. I know. I know. Yep. Did you ever see, um, uh, you know, ours, Bon Iver? Oh, yes. Did you ever see, there was a video that he did and I don't... It kind of feels like it might have been sort of a uh, kind of a high production thing that was meant to look like a little home concert. But mm. there was a, a version of him playing the song Skinny Love. Um, and there's a camera kind of behind him. And he's just playing in like a living room with, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 people. And it's and I, I like him a lot. I mean, I like all mm-hmm. all of his stuff. But that by far to me was the most compelling thing because he was just singing this really awesome song to these people who were just, you know, unwrapped. And I, it was cool. Like I'm, I'm gonna I, have to look it up. I'm reminding, or yeah, I'm reminded yeah. of that while we're talking. Yeah, about. and that's the thing. It's like I, you know, to actually make eye contact with someone, and you know, they're playing their heart out. I mean, it's 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 super cool. It's kind of thrilling. I would it imagine. Is. I mean, as a because as a performer, you're probably used to that, but as a listener, being close and and being part oh, of yeah, that, it's like yeah. mind blowing. And for yeah. me, after I have a house concert, either, you know, my living room, room ones, or, you know, some of the public ones I've done, I can't sleep. I will lay there. Like there is so much energy (laughs) that's been pumped through my veins. Yeah. I just lay there wide awake and I'm just like replaying like every song, every moment. And I can't sleep. I mean, I cannot sleep. That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. That's it's awesome. a lot of fun. All right, so are you? I noticed you said you were working on an art piece. Are you an uh, uh, musician or artist or? What's so your... I am musical. I'm not cool. by any means a musician. I okay. at one point in my life I was fairly serious about uh, violin and cool. choir. Like that was my that was my jam in high school. Yeah. Like <laughs> I was the elementary orchestra geek. You know, junior high. The orchestra and choir had very different vibes. Like, were you more of a choir kid or an orchestra kid? That's both. I I loved them both. Loved them both. I loved them both. I, yeah, I loved them both. So those. So I was really, really big into violin and uh, my chamber choir. My I had incredible chamber choir experience in high school. We um, got to go to England and Scotland and Wales and perform. And yeah, growing up in Waverly, uh, having Whitburg college there, which is a really, you know, really well known for their music program just naturally, um, meant that our high school had a really strong music program. Sure. Yeah. And so I was really, really fortunate for that. But then I graduated from high school and went like 20 years without touching my violin. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. And now I pick it up and it just makes me angry because I'm like, oh, 
I just stink, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's just, yeah. So, but anyway, but yeah. I'm, I'm also like, um, really into, I really love painting and sculpting, but, cool. um, yeah, I've never really taken my art that seriously, but yeah. one of the blessings of COVID <laughs> is that for the first time in my life, I really actually have had time to focus on my art Absolutely. and yeah, I've discovered some new mediums that I'm absolutely obsessed with currently like what um it's gonna sound so geeky like nonsense fiber arts um well, i don't even know what that is so fiber arts is kind of gen a whole general term dealing with like textiles or any you know wool or fibers like that okay a lot of time weavers you know people who, who weave things i'm not a weaver okay so i've discovered a couple things one um needle felting you take raw wool fibers that's just like fluffy. It looks like cotton candy, and it's uh -huh. raw wool. Wow. And you use this special little barbed needle, and you sit and stab the wool over and over again. And you can use it 2D to, like, paint. So you use these different colored pieces of wool to paint with it, like make an image with it, like 2D-wise. And you stab the fibers, and by stabbing it, the fibers interlock one another, and they connect. So... So are they on a surface? Yeah. So like okay. on a piece, like a linen canvas or, okay. or or a big piece of felt, Yeah. you know, so you can do it on, you can even do it on denim. You can do it on a number of different surfaces. So you're like intertwining these fibers and then you, but you can also oh, wow. use it in a 3D sculptural way. So you take the, the fibers and you, you can form shapes and actually make sculptures or objects. Wow. Out of wool, out of out raw of wool. wool fiber. It's mind blowing. Wow, mind blowing. That's cool. I'm obsessed. I'm, I'm gonna have to look that up. That's, okay, that's it's really, super cool. That's awesome. So I love, as you can see, tell there's a theme. Like house concerts are something, as you probably know, that were you know in vogue hundreds of years ago. And home JD is like taking something very old and then using tech to sort of update it in a modern way. Sure. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like passing the hat. And so the same yeah. thing with art. I really like some of these sort of lost, forgotten arts. Sure, like very tactile. Yeah, but then using them in a new and modern and fresh way. I'm also really getting into lately, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this, um, <laughs> embroidery, which is, you know, oh, yeah. typically kind of like flowers and... Well, then have cutesy, to be. You know, cutesy stuff, right. But yeah. I'm, I'm like doing it in a way... Um, on this piece I'm currently working on where using the embroidery thread where it makes it look like it's a pencil or a charcoal, charcoal drawing, like using it as Whoa. line. It's just okay. pure line. So I'm doing a piece where I'm just using black, white, and gray embroidery thread. Oh, that's, that sounds kind of cool. Thank you. So Man, I'll have to check yeah, that out. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm doing. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's that, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, and I guess that, that kind of uh, could bring us into kind of the Des Moines arts and culture scene generally, because um, I I told this exact same story with Sally, so if anybody's listening, I'm sorry I'm telling this <laughs> again, but um, so I grew up here, um, and I lived on both coasts for about 15, 14 years, and when I came back here to go to law school, the first night I was back, my parents and I went to Django, the old Django, um, Hotel Fort Des Moines. And, you know, 
when I was growing up here, nobody wanted to stay here because, you know, it felt very... Sleepy very, little very sleepy. insurance town. Yes. <laughs> and we got out of the car and, uh, you know, there's like the Davis Brown Tower there and Joseph's is there and like Aki Bono's down the street. And and the school, there's a little, um, there was a little, I don't know if you probably knew it. You know, there's that little playground there. Was it the Walnut Street yeah. school? Yeah. My daughters went there. When oh. we first moved to town. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. My my wife was uh, she's a school counselor and she worked uh, at downtown school, kind of for uh, uh, like a like an internship sort of a thing. Very cool. Anyway, um, the point of the story is that when we got out of the car and me not having really been downtown for fifteen years, it was it blew my mind. I was I was thinking this is way different than it was before, and I've really enjoyed that now, kind of getting back into living here and be getting back involved in the scene and and all of that and it's really exciting now when it used to not be i mean there's kind of this feeling that it's going in a positive direction um you know quality of life is kind of allowing more people to stay here and make a living here and there seems to be a bigger focus on arts and culture funding generally and so I'd love to kind of hear your take on living through it. and Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. And yeah, downtown Des Moines used to just be a place that, you you know, past five o'clock, there was nothing going yeah. on yeah. whatsoever. So it has been just exciting to see the transformation. And you can just really, you can just feel the energy and people are excited yeah. and it's it's I feel like it's just a great place too where people are really open to collaboration and I don't know maybe it's the whole Midwest nice thing but <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. I I, feel, I genuinely feel like so many people in our arts and culture scene in Des Moines are really in it for the greater good and are really looking to help out each other and and build each other up and yeah I love that I think that's so cool. I think you're exactly right on that point. And that's an interesting way to look at it. Because um, for me, after living in California for so long, it's amazing how it, much more accessible the decision makers are yes. here than out there. And I suppose part of it maybe is I grew up here. And so there's a kind of a sensibility that you have. But um, that's been really exciting because it, it's a lot easier to get involved with things here. There's, I mean, there's competition, but sure. like you said, there's a little bit more of a kind of a greater good, like let we're all in it together sort of a vibe. And that's, that's cool. I, I didn't, yeah. I don't know if that has always existed or I've just recently yeah. appreciate it, but I mean, I got to imagine that's having a good impact on arts generally. I think so as well. I mean, I, I just think we all do better, you know, when one of us is doing well, I mean, that brings us all up. I mean, that's what puts us on the map and, and gets people excited about either coming to Des Moines or living in Des Moines. Yeah, it's super exciting. I would love yeah. to see more, you know, one of the things I'm obviously through Home Diddy um, that I'm really passionate about is that audience development piece, you know, for musicians who are coming to Des Moines and playing Des Moines for the first time. And they're not some. They're not a band that gets any play on the radio. Let's say. Sure. Um, how do you get people to come to their shows? Yeah. I mean that. You got to promote it, or you got to have you know, no people. Right. <laughs> right. And so for me, you know, it's. 
I'm really, you know, passionate about using the house concerts as a way to grow that audience space for musicians. So maybe the first yeah. couple times those musicians come to Des Moines, you know, maybe they shouldn't be doing a venue show. Maybe they should do a handful of um, house concerts first, um, because now they've they've got a little following, they got a little crowd, and then you know reach yeah. out to that host and say, hey, I'm now I'm doing a I'm doing a show at the Gas Lamp, and and then let yeah. let let everybody know who was at that house concert. And I've seen that work, I've seen that happen. Yeah, and you can just you can pack a venue with just from a handful of house concerts that you've done. That's really smart because the, I mean, because how many people do you have at a house concert? Like 20 people? Every host has their own capacity. You might have a host who only has a capacity of 20 people. I've got some hosts um, outside of Winterset, Iowa. They live out in the country. They have a barn. They have a capacity. (laughs) Put a lot of of people in the barn. (laughs) Yeah, like 100 people. So, you know, every every host is different. Yeah. So. Well, and I guess that's why I think that's really smart because if you do two house concerts and... 30 people come to each one. If you get a third of those people that come see you at a venue, that's enough people to get you booked at a small venue. Like. Absolutely. And so... And I've seen I've seen some yeah. uh, musicians, the Cerny Brothers from Nashville, did that Who? very... The Cerny Brothers? The Cerny Brothers. C-E-R-N-Y. Okay. I'll check Look them, them up. Out. Cool. They have been in Rolling Stone magazine oh, right. recently, okay. and they okay. also just sang the national anthem in the last year. This was pre-COVID um, at an NFL... Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, I'll bet my brother knows them because he loves the NFL and he lives in Nashville. Oh, well, there you go. Well, they're amazing. Cool. I love them. But, um, you know, we kind of tested that theory with them. Um, They just came and did a bunch of, they just kept coming to the Des Moines area and just doing home ditty house concerts kind of all around Des Moines, several trips, you know, from now and they'd, they'd come and stay for like a week or two weeks and just kind of just do this little house concert circuit through home ditty. And then cool. they booked, you know, a show at the gas lamp and then, you know, reached out to those hosts saying, Hey, you know, we're doing a show at the gas lamp. And then they packed packed the gas lamp and they never played there before. So And then they're going to get begged to come again right. and bring all your friends. Right, because <laughs> I'm sure the owner loves that, you yep. know. So it was great. I did feel badly for the, they had an early playtime. They had a, did an early show. Uh-huh. And I really felt badly for the band after them because as soon as they were done playing, everyone... Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, but you that's, know, that's, that's every, nature. <laughs> everyone got up and left. And, for, and it wasn't because this band wasn't good. It's because I didn't know this band. Yep. Yeah. I've I've been in both of those bands in that situation, yeah. and yeah, but uh, you know that's but that's where you, being smart about your yeah. your marketing comes yeah. in, and and you know if you can, because you don't want to tell a venue that you're going to bring like twenty thirty people, and then you don't bring any of those people because right. they're never going to come back. So. I know it 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 is a struggle. You know, it's just that how do you how do you get it that entry? How do you, how do you get into that market? And and then for me also, even those even those. Uh, bar venue shows how do you get people to listen you know like if you yeah you know yeah. most people who are out drinking partying having a good time they want to hear cover songs yeah yeah that's why that's down true. what is it is it broadway in nashville the street yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you're all you're gonna hear is cover songs yep that's true you know it's it's about the party and it's great it's awesome but that's hard if you were trying to get your original music out there and and obviously no one will have heard your your songs before so yeah i uh i I played keyboards in a kind of an alt rock country band for a little while and 
if I had a nickel for every time somebody asked for free bird when we're you know, <laughs> when the singer's trying to play his own stuff. And, I know. And it, that's that that's to me that's the beauty of the house concert and that's just just a perfect way for musicians to introduce new music. Yeah. To actually have people listen. Did you have like a model or a, a mentor or a kind of I mean, did you just go into this blind or did you look to anybody else? Yeah, pretty blindly. Um, You know, it's my platform, you know, it seems simple enough, but my credit card processing is very complicated because I actually have my credit card processing set up where the musicians create their own merchant credit card account through my platform that's connected okay. to my platform, but it's their account. So the money actually goes directly to them. So okay. I never touch their money. And okay. then our credit card processor, my app fee is 10%. So then at the time, the credit card processor takes their credit card fees, of course, sure. and and uh, pays the money to the musician through their uh, credit card account, much like for their merch sales, for example. Okay, yeah, you know, sure. A lot of people, a lot of musicians will have a Square account yeah. or something. So it's like that. For sure. Um, so the credit card company then takes the 10%, send it to my company um, because uh-huh. we're it's a connected platform. That's okay. kind of a special product for when you have like a three-way type transaction, credit card transaction. Gotcha. And okay. so, um, you know, that that just, there are all sorts of issues around that type of credit card processing because the way we do it when guests make a reservation, we're actually not charging their card at that point. We're pre-authorizing their card. And then, because okay. we don't sure. want the musicians getting paid before they provide the service. Yeah, Sure. Makes sense. Right. So <laughs> so we so my platform then once the once I have confirmation, once the concert has occurred, um, then we charge the cards at that point. And so okay. that enables the 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 money flow to go directly to the musicians. Okay. So I spent a year, about a year roughly prior to launching Home Diddy researching all of those credit card processing issues, intellectual property issues, you know, just Everything oh, yeah. zoning, you know, you, you know, the lawyer, you know, the lawyer in you just sure. has to go through all of that. So yeah, I did a ton of just my own research and reading and reading about other startups that had similar-ish models. You know, how did they handle um, that issue or this issue? And then locally, um, the, Mike Colwell through the um, Greater. Morning Partnership. He's kind of their uh, entrepreneur mentor guy. Okay. Yeah. So he was definitely an advisor and a mentor and a couple other people locally um, I would go to. But I, I actually would find out a lot of times when I would come with them with questions, I would have a very specific, very deep, 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 deep <laughs> question type thing. Like, yeah. unless you've just recently done all of that research that you'd be like, I have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh-huh. so yeah, it was mostly, yeah, just on my own. Wow. That sounds like a pretty massive undertaking. It was. It it was. It certainly was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. One other thing I was wanted to mention before I forget is uh, one other service I provide through Home Diddy that I wanted to mention is something called Diddy Referrals. So okay. I have a number of sort of businesses who kept trying to sign up on Home Diddy as hosts. Okay. Which is something entirely different, you know. The yeah. 
financial model for a house concert is not the same financial model for a musician that's going to go play at a coffee shop or at um, a Christmas party, a corporate Christmas party. You know, that's just an entirely different beast. Sure. And so I was trying to figure out a way how to handle all of that um, because I, Uh I... I definitely want them to have access to the musicians. And if there's a gig out there for that musician, you know, by all means, I want them to get it. So I started something called data referral. So I'm asking, you know, just hosts only on the website. And then for anyone who is looking for a musician for something that's not a house concert um, or someone who's looking to hire a a musician for something business related, um, then basically I just provide a matching service and I just do it through email. And so it's a free service to the entity that is looking to hire a musician. They'll say to me, okay, I have a budget of $1,000. This is the event. We want something that kind of sounds like, you know, and they'll tell me. And I'll be like, oh, I know just just the perfect musician for you or the perfect band for you. That's a valuable service. Thank you. I don't think you need to be doing that for free. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do it for free for the person uh, looking to hire the musician, for the musician's if they book the gig, I have um, referral agreements okay. with the with sure. the musicians. Sure. So then, after the gig, I just invoice them ten percent. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, well, that, I mean, and but I always tell I always tell them I say always say look, um, this is free. You know, when people reach out to me for the referral business, I say look, this is a free service I provide to you, but. Um, Please know I do get a small fee on the back end from the musician. Sure. Well, that whole curator role um, is it, that's got to be a pretty valuable service you're providing. And it, the and the reason I kind of wanted to bring that up was as somebody who was a musician as opposed mm-hmm. to a fan, I feel like I never really understood how non musicians listen to music. Yeah. And I remember I went to it was the AES show. Audio Engineering Society show, like annual convention. Um, God, I don't even know how long it was. It's going to date me. It was like 2009 or something. I don't know. But anyway, I have a point to the story. It's going to take me a second to get there. But um, there was this producer panel where a number of people who produced music in various capacities were just kind of discussing the state of the business and where it was going. And this was uh, pre-streaming. And there was this guy... This A and R guy named Ron Fair, who's a total blowhard, and like he, you, you probably wouldn't like him if you met him on the street. But he, he, he was kind of talking about his vision of of what music consumption was going to look like in the next coming decades, and he likened it to, you know, instead of putting on an individual CD or a record or you know where the listener is curating their own listening experience, it's going to be more akin to a faucet where you just pick your mood and you turn the faucet on and that then music's just going to come to you. And I remember all of us at the time were like, this guy's nuts. Like, (laughs) what is, you know, like I I read the liner notes and I read the lyrics and we all get into bands and everything. And that has turned out to be 100% true. Absolutely. And like that curator function where you are sort of, you know, if people tell you kind of what they sort of want and you know how to give it to them, I think that could... That could be an interesting model going forward. Yeah, and that's you know that's really saved me during COVID. Um, yeah, for sure. I've had a lot of referral business um, there because there were still some people doing out, let's say outdoor events. Yeah, um, I ended up 
helping a local developer. They were doing like a Friday, every Friday night, spring through fall, um, they were having live music um, at this community type event. And so uh-huh. I had, had to find a musician for every Friday night. Oh, wow. Spring through fall. Now, spring, of course, ended up getting canceled, but, you know, they got rolling there. Um, you know, once, once they could, once the kind of restrictions were lifted. So, so yeah, so that's, that's been kind of a great thing or people, um, even some, I had some referral clients who were wanting to do some online events that wanted a musician to perform. Cool. So yeah, those have been fun. I had, I had a, uh, a soccer, a private soccer club out of a suburb in Chicago wanted to do a fun happy hour for the parents. Oh, cool. <laughs> and they wanted, so they wanted to do like a online house concert type thing. Okay, and cool. Yeah. So, and I got hooked up with that because uh, one of my hosts in my network, my home dating network, um, she is is part of that soccer club. And they're like, hey, you should contact home dating. So I'm like, sure. Man. <laughs> You might you might become a kingpin for music in Central in Central America or die or trying, well, you know, one of the two. Yeah, hundred percent. It's cool. a lot of fun. That's it is awesome. a lot of fun. Well, I think we've blown past our time yeah, with Bob. So I'm sorry, um, I can talk forever. Yeah. You know that. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Curiouser, the podcast where we talk to Iowa's most interesting people recorded at Waveform Music Studios, located in the Mainframe Studios building in downtown Des Moines. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.